Chapter 19 Counting Worms When Durant, Francois and Renoir reached him, Dr. Halstead was standing over Harry Moss's corpse in the maze of boxes at the depot. In one hand, Harry had a knob-carry mace with barbed wire wrapped around the bloody business end, and in his other, a brass-knuckled trench knife, just like Renoir's, but this one was crusted in blood that had saturated all the way up to Harry's left elbow. His throat had been crushed, canine bite marks, neck bled dry. Despite that, he looked as though he was sleeping. You know him? asked Renoir. Halstead nodded. From D Company, at the Abbey, always cadging smokes, as good a bloke as they come. He is dead, of course, Renoir asked. Halstead kicked Harry's leg hard. No movement. Count worms for sure, mate. What's it look like to you? Francois shot a look to Renoir. There was fear in the big man's eyes. Allons-y. Renoir concurred. Oui, let us get out of here, quickly. Halstead picked up his pack of medical supplies, and the men left Harry fucking Moss, resting in mortal repose. Durant was just behind Renoir as they forged a path through the forest. The rest of the company was close on his heels. They moved fast at first, despite being laden with the fresh kit and weaponry. Terra was their driver, and she was throttling up. Renoir was a dog on the scent. He had found a goat path through the forest that he remembered well, and his pace quickened, forcing the others to try to match him. All Durant needed was a glance back to the west, where the sun was making its descent to spur his pace. But his body was exhausted, and fulfilling that intent was becoming more and more than he could bear with every step. Matthew Durant was running as fast as the hounds. Gritted determination on his face, David was just behind him, pushing himself to the limit in an effort to keep up with his older brother. That dimwit, goddamn Connecticut banker, war profiteer son of a bitch had missed the shot. This man, who made his first fortune buying defective rifles from the Union government for $3.50 each and selling them to the Union army for $22 a pop, literally a pop, because when you pulled the trigger, the rifle went pop and blew off your right thumb, hence the defective designation. This tubby fucker could not shoot a non-defective rifle for shit. The poor, dumb mountain lion had been treed. She could not have been more than 15 yards from the corpulent prick when Matthew passed him the Winchester. But the tourist was no spring chicken, and in his gleeful eagerness to kill this magnificent specimen of a cat, his hands were shaking. He pulled the trigger hard, and the shot went wide, catching the big cat in her haunches. The mountain lion shrieked and bolted. She leapt past the circle of hounds, disappearing into the thick underbrush. The hounds bayed and ran after. The rotund Yankee and his dim-witted lackeys laughed. The foremost lackey slapped his boss on the back, but not too hard. That was a great shot, sir. You sure did a number on that thing. They looked at Matthew and David, who were pulling off their packs. You fellows really should have given him the Spencer rifle. This one doesn't have the same stopping power. Matthew walked over and pulled the Winchester from the banker's flabby grasp. You're right. 
This one might be defective. A moment of uncomfortable silence rolled through the group. They all remembered the congressional hearings well, or at least had heard tell of them. It was a known fact that exoneration was an expensive outcome. Matthew was all business. I want you to stay right here. Don't head back to the camp. You'll never find your way on your own. If you get lost up here, there's no way you're walking out, and we won't come looking for you. We'll be back as soon as we can. The lackey had a puzzled look, and the Connecticut banker's overgrown brows were creasing in anger as Matthew's defective rifle jibe struck home. Prime lackey stepped forward. Whatever on earth are you talking about? Where are you going? Matthew slung the Spencer and cradled the Winchester in his hands. We gotta finish that cat. I won't leave her out here to bleed to death because of his incompetence. He eyed the banker, daring him to pipe up, then turned to David. You ready? David nodded. Then the brothers ran into the woods, pursuing the trail the hounds were on. When they caught up to her, she had gone to the trees again. Matthew and David saw that she was bleeding badly from her hip. There was rage and sadness in eyes that said if she could, she would have come down and killed every one of the hounds, and their masters too. But that was not going to be. She knew her end was near. Matthew's shot was a mercy. David corralled the hounds and leashed them while Matthew checked the corpse. When he did not pick her up, David was surprised. What's wrong? Nothing. Are you going to bring her? Nope. Why not? It's what they paid for. Matthew looked down at the golden cat. He lit his cigarette. Goddamn bankers. They think their pieces of paper mean something. They don't mean a thing. David was unconvinced. Sure. That said, it's going to mean something to Papa if we come back empty-handed. Matthew waved him off. I'll take the blame. There was a distance in Matthew's eyes. A darkness, muddying his mother's hazel irises. What's wrong, Matthew? You all right? Matthew snapped out of it and smiled, but it did not venture far past his mouth. I'll tell you some other time, kid. Some other time. The brothers sat on a hill, overlooking the gorge where the lackey and his cronies were stuck, trying to mollify their irate turd of a boss. Matthew and David ate their lunch slowly. They shared a set of field glasses, watching things go from bad to worse for the banker and his men as afternoon turned into evening. A thought occurred to David. You know, if you just sent them straight back down the path, they'd have walked right into camp. Matthew smiled. This time it reached his eyes and he chuckled. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the laughter spread and filled him up. David started laughing too. In the gorge, the banker turd heard it and searched the trees for the source. But it echoed through the gorge, and he could not locate the mirth-filled cause of his annoyance. As darkness fell, Matthew and David came out of the trees with the hounds. They found the banker and his pals near the end of their wits. The lackey stepped up. Where's J.P.'s mountain lion? Matthew shrugged. Guess it was never his to begin with. Couldn't find the trail. Well, some trackers you are. You're being paid to do one thing. When Matthew turned on the man, 
The look on his face was one David had never seen before. It was cold and brutal. All your money, all your gold, all your precious paper won't get you off this mountain without us. You understand what I'm saying? The man took a hesitant step backward. Now shut your fucking mouth and follow me. There was nothing said in reply. Had there been any words from the banker or his men? David thought for sure that Matthew would have opened fire. He had the Winchester repeater in his hands, at the ready, instead of slung for the hike to camp, as it ought to have been. In that moment, David realized it was not by happenstance. The march to camp was silent, as was the dinner. David lit a small fire for the banker and his men. Matthew just sat back and eyeballed them across the flames, surrounded by the sleeping hounds, the Winchester resting across his thighs. They got back to hope, and there was hell to pay. As they cleaned and stored the rifles from the hunt, Matthew and David heard the top lackey and the turd reading Nathaniel the Riot Act in the outer office. After the hue and cry had ended, and some very compliant murmurs vibrated through the walls in the timber of Nathaniel's voice, they heard the front door open and close, followed with a silence interrupted by the ticking of the cuckoo clock. David was oiling the Spencer's barrel, and Matthew had finished reassembling the Winchester when Nathaniel finally came through the door. The quiet was of the incoming storm variety. Then Nathaniel cleared his throat and spoke. You care to tell me what that was all about? Matthew glanced up. He was a piss-poor shot. Nick the cat, she went to the trees. And you couldn't hunt her down and bring her back. Matthew shrugged. She was fast. Faster than us, at any rate. Nathaniel's brow darkened. Laddie boy, they paid for a trophy. They didn't get one. I just returned their money. That was your decision, Papa. Not mine. Matthew smiled as he put the Winchester in the rack. And I think we've had the laddie boy conversation already. No sense having it a second time. He wiped the barrel oil from his hands. Papa, I think I'm going to go. David looked up. Nathaniel was measured. Where? I got some unfinished business up north with Hamish Jarmish. It's eating away at me. Got to get that settled before I can move on. I see. Well, you don't see, because I ain't showed you. But I think you get the idea. I need something from you, though, Papa. How much? Matthew smiled. Maybe you do see. Nathaniel's smile was not a smile. Maybe I do. I need to cash out my share. Your share of what? The company? What company? Durant and company. A long moment of quiet followed. Now Nathaniel's smile was a smile. He clapped his hands together in delight. I knew that's why you come home, boy. Ha! <laughs> I bloody well knew it. Come to cash out, have you? That's not why I came, but I realize it's what I need to do if I'm to keep on. Can't leave business unfinished, Papa. I figured in your state of sobriety you'll see that's true. Leave my goddamn sobriety out of this. I want you out of my house come morning. Sure, Papa, I understand, but I want my share. Nathaniel sat back and exhaled. 
and there was a resignation and disappointment when he spoke. Okay. What would be fair? Quarter the absolute worth, as you see it? I figure Mom is owed a share, even if she's passed on. I don't want a part of that. But I worked this outfit from the time I was nine to the time I was seventeen, and I figure I did my bit to build it up. Nathaniel chewed his lip, revealing little. Matthew continued. You'll just be buying out my share, that's all. And I'll hold no claim on it from here on. When you pass away, it can all go to David. Nathaniel laughed. <laughs> when I pass away. He bit his lower lip for a moment longer, turning it white with the pressure as he stared at his oldest son. Fine. You can have a quarter of the value of the work you put in. Thank you, Papa. I appreciate that. Nathaniel gave him a nod. What's a quarter of nothing? A chill went through the room. Nathaniel smiled, but it was a bully's smile, vindictive, omnipotent. There was violence behind it when he spoke. I want you gone in the morning. I won't throw you out on your ass in the snow tonight on account of my sobriety, but I want you gone and never to return come the first light, boy. And when I say boy, I mean boy, because on no scale... Are you become a man? Matthew was silent, and David was frozen. Nathaniel turned on his heel and left them alone in the rifle room. <laughs>